Welcome to the Little Man Big Mouth Podcast with me, Jonah. I am a kid who loves sports. I can talk about sports every day, all day. Think you can handle that? Then stick around for today's show. Our guest today will be Doug Gerhardt, who coached college football and in the NFL for 40 years. But first, let's check out what is happening this week in the sports world. First, wake up! Korean baseball is happening at 5 a.m. Eastern Time. Get ready to watch some sports. Stands don't have fans, but they have more home runs and stuffed animals in the crowds. In other sports news, UFC fights are still going on. Amanda Nunez defended her featherweight title with another win. She is in the conversation to be the MMA GOAT. The greatest of all time. Strange news alert. San Diego police responded to a burglar alarm at Wells Fargo Bank in California at 3.30 a.m. They found a broken window by the bank's drive-thru. The alarm company told officers that cameras inside the bank showed a man using the microwave in the break room. Police gained entry to the bank and arrested the unnamed man. After the arrest, the man told reporters he had gone into the bank only to warm up his hot pocket. Asked if the hot pockets were worth the arrest, the man said, Oh yeah, it was worth it. Our next segment is unscripted. Some shows have a mystery crate or a fancy producer to give them content. Me, I have a lucky Patriots hat. I am going to draw out some news and opinions from the week and give you my unscripted reaction. These are not just hot takes. They are in fuego. The first one is... With ESPN's 30 for 30 on Bruce Lee, everyone wants to know who will win in a fight. Bruce Lee or Chuck Norris. It would be a battle for the ages. But we wouldn't know where to do it. Because you don't find Chuck Norris, Chuck Norris finds you. It would be very close. But I'm going to pick Chuck Norris. Because I heard he arm wrestled Superman. And the loser had to wear a red cape. Next topic... NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell apologized this week for not doing enough about racism, but he did not say Colin Kaepernick's name. Should Kaepernick be in the league? That's an easy one, for sure. I believe he is one of the best 64 quarterbacks in the world. He should be on a team and given a second chance. Lastly... The, what is the worst packed lunch at school? Tuna fish or egg salad? I will say tuna fish because egg salad is way better than tuna fish. Tuna fish smells and it's disgusting in my opinion. So I would pick tuna fish as the worst lunch to bring to school. And that does it, folks, for my unscripted segment. Our next segment coming up is called Heroes and Zeros, hosted by my twin brother, Gabriel. Take it away, Gabriel. Thank you, Jonah. This is Heroes and Zeros, where we look at the best and the worst of the sports world. My zero of the week is 2020. The year is only halfway through, and it has been awful. 
The COVID-19 pandemic is still raging strong after already killing 400,000 people, destroying the economy and taking away hugs and high fives. How cruel. As if that was not bad enough, murder hornets are spreading to the United States. We have national unrest as people protest racism and inequality after innocent people have been hurt. And let's not forget, no live sports for over three months. 2020 is definitely a zero so far. Our, now on to heroes. Our first hero of the week is Tom Herman and the Texas Longhorn football team, Hook'em Horns, who marched from the University of Texas in Austin to Texas Capitol Building along with members of Austin Police Force. The group marched to protest deaths of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and many others who have been killed by the police. Some of the Texas players have also spoken out, like their quarterback, Sam Ellinger, who said playing football has taught me a ton of lessons. The one I'm most thankful for is the relationship and friendship that I've built with my teammates. I've realized that nobody should be treated differently because of their skin color. Our other hero of the week is Dak Prescott, who is redeeming himself after being a zero of the week just two months ago. Prescott earned this honor after pledging $1 million to improve police treatment. That's all for now on Heroes and Zeros. Now back to you, Jonah. Thank you, Gable, but stick around, because next segment is Stick By Your Picks. For those who are new to the show, Gable and I dissect the NFL schedule one week at a time. We pick our winners for five games each week. These are ironclad picks. That's right, we are very confident we will not change our minds or our picks, no matter what happens between now and the game. Our lawyers have asked us to let you know that you should not bet your house on our picks. This is for entertainment purposes only. We are now up to week four. Announcer, tell us the first game. The Denver Broncos travel to play the New York Jets. The Jets are favored by two and a half. This Thursday night game will be even. It will be a close one, but I think Denver will sneak out with a win because the Jets lost Robbie Anderson in the offseason and have no one else playing wide receiver. I disagree with you fully. I think the Jets are going to win this one. They are going to work harder to get they're gonna work hard together and by running it more with Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell to beat the Broncos this time. Announcer, what is the next game? The Kansas City Chiefs are big eight and a half point favorites at home as they host the New England Patriots. I think the Patriots will get the upset here. The Chiefs will be out of sync this game. Mahomes will not find his groove. I am going to totally disagree with you and agree with Vegas. The Chiefs are going to cream the Patriots. The Patriots have no chance in Arrowhead. Announcer, what is the next game? The Vikings go to visit the Texans. This one's a pick'em. No one's sure who's going to win. I think the Vikings will win because the Texans just threw DeAndre Hopkins out the window. I disagree. 
I think the Texans are going to win because the Vikings threw out Stefan Diggs out the window. Announcer, tell us the next game. The 49ers are five and a half point favorites at home as they host the Philadelphia Eagles. I think the Eagles will come away with the upset because the 49ers will have a tough time running the ball against Fletcher Cox. I disagree. The 49ers are going to beat Philly as 49ers have their eyes locked on in the Super Bowl and Philly will have to deal with the time difference. Announcer, what is the last game? The Green Bay Packers are six and a half point favorites as they host the Atlanta Falcons. Sorry, Vegas, but I'm going with Atlanta. I think the Falcons are going to beat the Packers because the Packers did a terrible job at the draft and did not get any more wide receivers. I disagree. I think Aaron Rodgers will destroy the Falcons with his arm cannon. And that does it, folks, for this week's edition of Stick By Your Picks. Next up, my special guest. My guest today is Doug Gerhardt. Coach Gerhardt coached college football and in the NFL for 40 years. He served as a head coach, offensive coordinator, and position coach along the way, including time with the Browns, 49ers, Lions, and Bears. Thank you for joining me, Coach. My pleasure. I'm glad to be here. I'm, I'm glad that you're here also. So how are you doing? Well, so far I'm doing really well. I'm, uh, I'm interested in what you're doing. I'm pleased to hear that someone like you at your age is very interested in sports and sports broadcasting. And I think it's a great deal. So I, I appreciate what you're doing and I respect it. Thank you. So you coach football in college and the NFL for 40 years. What inspired you to become a football coach? Uh, well, I guess uh, when I went to college, I was a pretty small player as a quarterback, but I, uh, I continued to work at it and got to play at a small college in Southern California. And my teammate, uh, also quarterback, was a man named Jack Kemp, who became oh. um, the first Hall of Famer for the Buffalo Bills. And Jack and I were good friends, and he went into pro football as a player, as you know. Yeah. But uh, talked me into continuing uh, to start coaching. And that the more I spent time with him, I went to several training camps with him as, as right. to observe him. And that's how I got interested in all of it. That sounds very interesting. So you play fo college football at Occidental? At Occidental College, yes. Occidental. Was it hard going from being a player to a coach? Uh, no, it actually wasn't. I think because I was a quarterback and kind of understood the game from that vantage point, knowing how an offense sets up. Obviously, I became very interested in the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. And uh, the only reason I started coaching was in my junior season, I had a neck injury, which after oh, no. four games of it kind of put me out of it. And the coach sent me over to the freshman team and said, start coaching the freshman. So it was a quick introduction to coaching, and I loved it, and I kept on going. So – I started a little bit of high school coaching, went back to Occidental College, became the head coach there, and then went on to 
some uh, other colleges, as you know, Tulsa, University of Tulsa, and then Colorado State, and on into the NFL. So who were the, some of the best players that you coached with or against? <laughs> uh, let's see. <clears throat> Uh, some of the best players. Well, the, the first player that comes to mind is in my very last season of NFL coaching, which had been 1979. Uh, I coached for the Chicago Bears, and Waller Payton was our running back. Oh. And, and talk about a best player. He was a great wow. running back. Oh. So Waller became uh, a, a good friend, and uh, he was an excellent guy to coach. He did whatever we asked him to do. I integrated him into the passing game a lot. Really? And uh, just loved every minute with him. So I would say Walter Payton comes to mind right off the bat. Now, you, I'll go back several more years. Uh, there was a college player at the University of Tulsa by the name of Drew Pearson. And I thought, and he had a great college season as a receiver, and I thought he would be drafted, and he was not and uh, finally picked up by the Dallas Cowboys and in that first training camp became yeah. the starter and became Roger Staubach's uh, actual best receiver that he had ever had. So Drew Pearson's wow. another wow. name. Yeah, uh, those two come to mind. So you say you coached 1979. Did you get a chance to coach against Joe Montana? Uh, just... At the very end, Joe Montana was coming into the league. Yeah. And uh, so I didn't coach against him, as I recall. Uh, I think he was just coming in as I was leaving the game. But I had great respect for Joe Montana as one of the best uh, quarterbacks that ever played the game. And, by the way, his coach, uh, Bill Walsh, was an innovator in in the days after me. and. Um, made a very exciting football uh, f- for the fans. Wow. Who was your favorite kind of player? Did you have a favorite player? And did you have a favorite player who was on your team? Well, let's see. My favorite kind of player, I guess, would be uh, the player who is, wants to come out and work to get better learn how to uh, do everything that they can do to be a complete player right. to get into a, a winning frame of mind. So uh, I, I w- went to a couple colleges and a couple pro teams that weren't winning and they had to learn mentally how to get in that frame of mind to become a winning football player. So that was the whole idea of that. I don't have a particular player in mind, but that was the mindset that I was looking for. Of all the coaches you worked with over the years, who is the best one? Uh, well, <laughs> that's a, also an interesting question. Um, you know, I, I went to work for the Cleveland Browns and the, co- and the man who hired me was Forrest Gregg. Oh, really? Uh, Forrest Gregg was a player for Vince Lombardi at Green Bay Packers. And Coach Lombardi said Forrest Gregg was the best player he'd ever coached. That's amazing. So he was was a wonderful coach, a great man, became a great friend. So he was was excellent. 
I also coached with Monty Clark. Oh, really? uh, came from the Miami Dolphins as Don Shula's top assistant, and I thought he was an excellent coach as well. Well, thank you for sharing. Speaking of sharing, can you share a few most memorable moments from your time in the NFL? Uh, let's see. I would think uh, first thing that comes to mind is that last season with Chicago, um, we were uh, coming right down to the wire, a chance to uh, uh, to potentially get into the playoffs and, and played the very last game. And we had to win it uh, to get in. And it turns out we played uh, the Washington Redskins that game. And it turns out we <laughs> we beat the pants off of them, I think 42 to seven or something like that, oh. which launched us into the playoffs. And that was memorable, uh, very much so. So that was a game that I'll never forget. How has the game changed since the time you were in the NFL till today? Wow. Uh, you know, uh, I think several changes uh, in, in several different ways. So, number one, um, as, a, as a business, the NFL has changed. First of all, the size of the coaching staff on every team has changed. When I coached, we were a staff of eight or nine coaches all together. So wow. we'd, have, we'd have four on offense and four on defense and one uh, kicking game. That's nine coaches. In today's world, they have at least 15 or 16 <laughs> coaches. And so uh, that makes it a whole lot easier, I think. But they have a lot of, of coaches in the background who can look at the game film of the teams that you're about to play. And that saves time for everybody. So one thing is the size of staff has changed. Also, speaking of size, the size of players <laughs> have changed. Yeah. When I coached there, uh, the players at the biggest, they were like uh, 240 pounds, maybe 260 pounds. I never oh. saw, I never saw a 300-pounder in all the time I was in coaching. And now, of course, most of the offensive linemen and defensive linemen are well over 300 pounds. So. Yeah. That's that's certainly another change. I think um, a concentration on the draft is all about that. You get the biggest guys and the fastest guys, all about size and speed. And size and speed can give you an edge, but it doesn't – you can't win just with size and speed. You have to be uh, totally prepared to win. So I think uh, – that would be another one. Also, one one thought: um, the formations are are different. Uh, again, as an offensive coach in my day, uh, quarterbacks were basically T formation quarterbacks. You know, yeah. they were under the center all the time. And now, uh, for a lot of the ball game, they're in that shotgun or set up uh, catching the ball about seven yards deep before the play even starts. Right. And, uh, lastly officiating has changed in the business, in the game, because now coaches can throw the flag down and have a coach's challenge about a call. And, you know, the referees can stop and have instant replay and all of that uh, to see if they've called the game correctly. So, right. so are there any players that you've coached 
over the years, college or NFL, that you think might do good in today's NFL? Well, uh, I'll go back to uh, Walter Payton, number one. He's going to do good forever in <laughs> the NFL because uh, no one could stop that young man. He was, he was great. Uh, he would certainly be one that would, would make any team uh, proud. So yeah. he'd be yeah. the first one. Um, you know, I, I think I have several players that could do well. Uh, a lot of the receivers I coach weren't the fastest uh, players, they, but they learned to play with really good techniques and good route running techniques, which in today's world isn't quite emphasized as much as when yeah. I was there. Uh, last one comes to mind, uh, a name that I don't know if players will or your fans will remember, but Steve Largent was, uh, he's a Hall of Fame receiver. Yeah. I, I recruited Steve Largent out of high school, went to Tulsa. He was not fast. He was mm -hmm. not fast uh, at all, but he learned how to run routes better than any coach has ever seen any player can run routes. He was excellent at that. Became so good, went to the NFL with Seattle, and as you know, is a Hall of Famer. Mm -hmm. So he's a guy that could, whether he's fast or not, he could make it today just like he did in those days. So switching ends here, um, are there any players that you would love to coach that play in today's game? <laughs> um, sure. Um, you know, I, I, first thing that comes to mind are a few of the quarterbacks that uh, I watch today because I'm interested, obviously, in the passing game. And uh, Aaron Rodgers comes to mind quickly, and Drew Brees yeah. comes to mind as well as two quarterbacks that are just uh, great competitors, uh, you know, never quit. The game can be right down to the wire, and they're still playing in that last play. Yeah. Those guys are, are, are guys that I think I would love to coach if I were in it today. Recently, NFL players and coaches have made statements about protesting happening in our country. You were a college coach during the 1960s civil rights movement. How did those events impact your players? Yes, that's right. You reminded me of that. That's a long time ago, but I do remember it. Um, I guess I would say to you, and I was coaching in college at the time, and uh, I would I would say that our players weren't really affected by it because they loved the game. They wanted to separate their uh, personal feelings and personal life from what they were responsible to do on the football field. So when they came to practice, they absolutely put all their attention to it. And we got the most out of the players without any hesitations. And I appreciated that then. And I think, uh, it would be the same today. So how is coaching, not just the game, coaching today different from when you, you were a coach? It's like the plays and all that. I, I, I don't know if it's different because uh, I've been away from it so long. The only thing I know is that uh, when I was coaching in the game and others at the same time with me, we spent so much time on techniques 
and making sure whatever position coach was that everything was done thoroughly with really good technique. And maybe that's because they weren't as big or as fast as they are yeah. today. But right. I do see not as much attention to, to technique training uh, as I saw in those days. Oh, we got a couple of questions left. But first, would you want to be a coach in today's NFL college game? Uh, no, I wouldn't, actually. <laughs> and I'm not saying that because I don't respect the game. I do. But I, I really loved it in those days. It seemed to be a very uh, uh, exciting and happy and fun atmosphere. Um, of course, coaching, no matter whether it's college or professional, you know, it's your livelihood. Yeah. And you better win or, <laughs> or you're going to have to move. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's important to, to do the job right. And I had a good time doing what I wanted to do. So, and my goal was from the day I got out of college, find a way to get to the NFL and, and do some coaching there. And I achieved my goal. And yeah. I loved it then. So I'll just leave it there. I don't need to, <laughs> wouldn't want to coach today. Well, thank you, Coach Gailhart. I really appreciated you being my guest today. As part of every interview, I asked my guest to take a short, rapid fire quiz. I will give you two options. You will choose the one that you like best. Are you ready? I guess I'm ready. Cats or dogs? Cats. Being outside or inside? Outside. Car or motorcycle? Car. Basketball or baseball? Baseball. Pool or the beach? Uh, beach. Hot dog or hamburger? <laughs> hamburger good job okay one more question uh my listeners really want to know what is your highest score in bowling <laughs> in bowling you know i've probably bowled about three times in my life hmm. when i was in college so i couldn't even tell you what a score was so i guess to, to your listeners um it's not very impressive. I don't even know what it is. I'm sorry to tell you that, but that's the truth. It's fine. So thank you so much for your time. It was fun talking with you. It was great to talk to you. Best of luck in your career. You're going to be a great one. Thank you. I had an amazing time talking to Coach Gerhardt, and I was really amazed how he coached Walter Payton. Now, what would sports talk be without Liz? Bupkis, so here are my list of the day top five superheroes I would want on my football team. First, a ground rule. Literally, I'm not going to pick anybody who flies because that would be an illegal motion. Number five, Spider-Man. He would be an ultimate safety, knocking down passes with his webs. Number four, Doctor Strange. Who needs a timeout to freeze the clock when he can just freeze time? Number three, Vision. Nobody, and I mean nobody, can tackle him. Number two, The Hulk. Not really fast, but can crush the O-line or chuck other opposing players at each other. And finally, all I've been waiting for, drum roll please. Number one, The Flash. He could 
literally run circles around everybody on that whole entire field. All right, thanks for joining me for this edition of Little Man Big Mouth Podcast. Check out our next episode when it drops. Until then, see ya! You can find the Little Man Big Mouth Podcast on your favorite podcast service. Listen, subscribe, and review to let others know how much you love the show. You can also follow us on Instagram, Little Man Big Mouth Show. This has been a Hefeweizen Podcast production.